Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for Scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's Word and apply His message to your everyday life. Visit SeekingTruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today, it's part one of the Gospel of John, chapter one. And now, Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Welcome tonight for our study, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Jesus Christ is the face of the Father's mercy. We're going to look at the prologue of John's Gospel. It's an incredible prologue. And in Greek, the prologue, the word prologue means pro means before and log is speaking or spoken. Some synonyms for prologue are an introduction or a foreword, a preface, a preamble, a prelude. So before speaking as contrasted to an epilogue at the end after or in addition to speaking saint john gives us an incredible prologue in his gospel that's because god gave us an incredible prologue before speaking the first three words of both john's gospel and genesis are in the beginning God, before he ever spoke, he had a plan. And God, before he ever spoke a single word, he had an idea. Logos is the Greek word. Logos, the word of God or principle of divine reason and creative order. The logos, before speaking, before God ever spoke, the word was with him and the word was him. You have to ponder that. And the word was him. The word was God. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now we see a pronoun right away. Right away. First it was the word and now it's he. The pronoun he. And this is a really important distinction right off the bat. He was in the beginning with God. He is male. The word is male. And being male will be essential to his personhood, his human personhood. And being male will be essential to his priesthood. And this will help you explain to your kids about why women can't be priests. To be in persona Christi, being male was essential to Jesus Christ. What sex were we, male or female? That matters to our human personhood. Our sex is designed to be male or female, he or she. The incarnate God was he. At the end of eight days, he was circumcised. He was called Jesus. And he was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary. We celebrate on January 1st the Feast of His Circumcision. It's a holy day of obligation, also known as the Feast of Mary, Mother of God, because Mary, as a good Jewish mother, submitted Jesus to the Mosaic Law on day 8 by having him circumcised. He's really a boy, see? (laughs) It matters. Because their covenant given to Abraham in Genesis 17 was that all the male kind of you shall be circumcised. Every man child that is born into the house, he will be circumcised. God came as a male human. God became man. 
Now, in our Nicene Creed every Sunday, we say he came down from heaven. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was born of Virgin Mary, and he became man. So what is gender? The state of being male or female. Traditionally, concepts of gender were synonymous for which sex you are. It was a binary choice, one or the other, male or female. You know, you check the box when you went to school. Are you male or are you female? Which dorm should we put you in? But gender now has been redefined. Now, gender typically used with reference to social and cultural differences rather than biological ones. And this is important for us to understand. Gender identity is a person's understanding of how they relate to the genders that are present in the culture they live. That's the new definition. So it has caused a lot of confusion. And what is confusion? It's a lack of understanding, uncertainty, incertitude, unsureness, doubt, ignorance. Now, a strong lobby is the LGBTQIA group, which is lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, and asexual now. And they say it's not binary anymore. It's not male or female. There are several gender choices. So, how do you identify? And God said... God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. And God blessed them. And God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Now, why is this important? This is why. Because God said. And you saw that today in your study. God said, God said, God said, and it was so. God said, God spoke the word, and it was so. Do you trust God's word? Do you trust what God said? Because it's the eternal temptation not to. Oh, that was for way back then. We don't have to have, that's not for now. That's not for this time. That was a patriarchal society and da-da-da-da-da. Light had entered the world. True light that enlightens every human person. There was one, though, who chose darkness over light. And his name was Lucifer, and in Latin, that means light bearer. Now, Paul tells us that Satan can disguise himself as an angel of light. And boy, did he ever. The serpent deceived Eve by his cunning. He's the most clever, cunning, deceitful liar ever created. And he brought much confusion to the mind of Eve. By the time Lucifer had asked her a series of questions, she didn't know her true identity anymore. What was her truest, deepest identity? Because he wants to confuse her. Her identity is that she was a beloved daughter of God, the climax of all creation. God saved the best for last. What was Adam's deepest identity? He was a beloved son of God. God breathed into his own nostrils the life. First two humans were made in the image and likeness of God, and their deepest identity was to image their father and to partake in his divinity, to be partakers of his divine life, the life of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the form of the Father in the garden. They could talk to him wherever they wanted, and the Spirit, which was a water of life, and the tree of life was there all along, Jesus. And they were partakers in the divinity of God. Now, how much did Eve image God? And how much did Adam image God? And how much do you image God? 
This is our truest and deepest identity. Do you know who you are? You're a chip off the old block. (laughs) In Revelation 13, we learned about some creatures, some beasts who did not image God. At that time, the land beast was the ruling Jewish aristocracy at the time of Christ. They were not imaging God who had revealed everything to them. And the sea beast, the Roman Empire, were not imaging God. This is the same author, John. Both beasts were imaging the dragon. Both beasts were imaging Satan. They were imaging darkness. It was a very violent time, the first century in Israel. Rome was occupying. There was corruption. But light had come into the world. He was 30 years old. He started his priesthood. But they preferred darkness. The light did come and conquer. It conquered sin and death, but we, we still prefer darkness. We'd rather stumble around in the dark. The darkness of being our own God. It's my life. These are my choices. I'm the master of my own destiny. The darkness found when we don't trust God and we don't trust his word. Now before the fall, we were in God's image and we were luminous with God's glory. We were in original nakedness. We stood unashamed. But after the fall, God's image was tarnished. And we, I'm talking humanity, we did not look so much like God anymore. We didn't image God as clearly. The image of God was tarnished. And with our own free will, we chose to listen to someone else's word rather than God's word. And that was the snake that slithered into Eve's ear and said to the woman, did God say that? Really? Did God say that? Did you hear that right? He's not a loving father. He doesn't care about you. You can be your own God. You can create your own destiny. Listen to me. Did God really say that? Did God say that? Really? And doubt enters her mind. It's the internal temptation to not trust God's word. Did God say? Do you trust what God says? Really? Do you? Really? Do you trust God's word? Or is that just an old, archaic, ancient book on the shelf? Do you image God, the king of heaven, and do what he says? Or do you image Satan, the prince of the world, and do what he says? Whose words do you choose to listen to? Peter chose to listen to Jesus. Lord, you have the words of everlasting life. Eve listened to Satan's words. She trusted Satan's words. She imaged what he said to do. Cunning Satan spiritually blinded Eve. You can't trust God's word. He doesn't love you. Then as a result, Adam trusted what Eve said. And Eve was imaging Satan, so now Adam's imaging her, and now their kids are going to image them. So Cain goes and kills his younger brother, and he says, I'm not my brother's keeper. I'm my own God. And now the fatal wound of sin had entered the world. And it has affected every single one of us. Sin wounds all of humanity. And sin continues to wound all of humanity. Every family's been touched by it. Every person's been touched by it. There is no distinction, says Paul, since all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And Jesus said... Let him who is without sin among you throw the first stone. And no one could, because no one's without sin. 
So this perfect world that God had ordered with his word and created ex nihilo quickly became disordered because of man's free will choices. And that's why we're in a mess. And we're all in a mess. And we have family members who we dearly love, but this is a disordered world. It's not that you weren't a good mom. It's not that you weren't a good dad. It's not that you weren't a good grandma or grandpa. This is a sinful, fallen, disordered world that we live in, and sin has affected all of us and every family. But in the beginning, it was not so. It was perfect. We were never supposed to die. We had no diseases. We had no mental illness. We had no disordering. It was perfect. It was utopia. It was Eden, paradise. And we were partakers of the divine nature of God, not anymore. Because these two get banished from the garden. They get sent away from communion with the Trinity. Out, vamos. Why? Because God did not want them to eat from the tree of life. Why? Because what happens, Catholics, when you eat from the tree of life? You'll live forever. And God did not want them in his great mercy to live forever with mortal sin on their soul because they would be eternally separated from him. So in the greatest mercy, he banished them until he could fix the problem. I got a plan. I got an idea. I got a logos. So it's incredibly merciful. But that's what we lost, partaking from the divine life of God. We lost it that day. We were banished, separated from that, what we were made for, that Trinity communion. Sometimes you get a taste of it after communion at Mass, and it's Eden again. So they get banished until the fullness of time. Paul says, when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, born to redeem. Redemption, that's getting bought back. That's a coupon. Get out of jail, free card. You get redeemed that you could receive adoption as what? As sons again. Because we lost our sonship. We lost our daughtership. We lost our identity. It was identity theft from Satan. He stole it. He robbed it. We don't know who we are anymore. We're confused. We got our truest, deepest identity back through Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life so that we could be adopted children again of God, sons and daughters of God through baptism. The thief, Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy, and the thief, Satan, stole our truest, deepest identity. And he loves that. Satan, the thief, does not want you to know that you are a divine son or a divine daughter of God. Satan was a murderer from the beginning. He has nothing to do with the truth because there's no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks according to his own nature. And he is a liar. He's a liar and the father of all lies. So he lies to us every chance he gets. And he tells you, you're no good. You're worthless. Oh, you think you can study the Bible? Really, you? I know what you do. I know who you are. I know how screwed up your family is. I know how bad your children, I know what a bad mother you are. I know what a horrible father, what an absentee father you've been. He keeps shooting darts at our mind. You're worthless. You're a nobody. You're a loser. He doesn't want you to know the truth, the freedom that's in God's word for you, the promises. The world became Satan's kingdom. He gets banished right along with him, kicked out. You think God wants him in paradise? So he gets kicked out of God's kingdom, the heavenly kingdom, the world becomes his kingdom. Jesus says, my kingship is not of this world. There seems to be great confusion in our world over our deepest, truest identity today. 
and there has been since the garden. Who am I? Who am I? We don't even know which bathroom to go to. (laughs) Who am I? Who am I? My deepest identity, every single person, is I am a beloved son or daughter of God, the Father. And I'm cherished and I'm loved. And God said, God spoke me into being. God picked me. God chose me particularly. He breathed life into me. Now, nearing the end of his pontificate, Pope Benedict XVI spoke twice about gender ideology. And he said it is a negative trend for humankind and a profound falsehood. It's a lie. He said it is the duty of the pastors of the church to put the faithful on guard against it. And Pope Francis strongly criticized gender theory. While in Poland for World Youth Day, he spoke to bishops and he said it is terrible for children to be taught in school that gender is a choice. Such things amount to the destruction of the idea that man is made in God's image. Today in schools, they are teaching this to children, to children, that everyone can choose their gender. And why teach this, he asked, going on to fault textbooks supplied by persons and institutions who donate money for ideological colonization supported by very influential countries. Hmm, I wonder who that is. And this is terrible. Pope Francis stated, referring to the colonization, he said, I will say it clearly with its first and last name, it's gender, gender theory. It's gender. Pope Francis said he had discussed gender with Pope Benedict XVI. He agreed with the Pope Emeritus that going against God's plan for creation via gender theory exemplified an era today of a sin against God. Speaking with Pope Benedict, who is well and has a clear mind, he told me, holiness, this is an epoch of sin against God, the creator. Pope Francis called him very intelligent. Gender ideology was a backward step for humanity. It is so-called gender theory. It's not an expression of frustration and resignation that aims to cancel out sexual difference as it is no longer able to face it. Yes, we run the risk of taking a step backwards. Indeed, the removal of difference is the problem, not the solution. Pope Francis has condemned gender theory several times. He condemns ideological colonization. Gender theory is an error of the human mind that leads to so much confusion and so much attack against the family. Gender ideology is demonic, says Francis. That is a very strong statement for Francis to say. Demonic. That means it came from the liar, the demon, Satan. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief, Satan, stole our identity and wants us to stay in the dark. All things came into being through Jesus, the word, and without him, not one thing came into being. Through him, all things were made. You were made through Jesus Christ. You are not a random happenstance. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. Not one thing. Not one of us. God spoke the word, the breath of God. Droplets of water from his breath and the spirit of the living God called you into being. When your mother and father came together and you were conceived, Jesus spoke you into being. Even if they weren't married, Jesus called you by name and you are his. All things came into being through him. 
out of two to 500 million sperm in each marital act. This one sperm fertilizes this one ovum, this one month. 200 to 500 million sperm. Do you see how particular this is that this one fertilizes this one egg and that's you. And God breathed that into being and put a human soul there. Boom. (laughs) And you became a zygote. (laughs) I'm an old biology teacher. Sorry. But Jesus breathed eternal life into you. And I like to read Isaiah 43, and I like to put my name in the blank, and you can do this with your own name. But now, this is what the Lord says, he who created you, Sharon, he who formed you, Sharon, do not fear, for I have redeemed you, Sharon. I got a coupon for you. I paid a price for you. I redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, Sharon, and you are mine, Sharon. Thank you, God. It was no mistake that you were created. And it was a particular creation. One morning, Steve was praying, and he came to me in tears. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, I just realized about our miscarriages. He had never grieved it. He was in medical school. He was in residency. And I had two miscarriages. And, you know, I was a mess. But he was at work. And he never grieved it. And he's just crying. He says, we lost two babies. And I'm like, I know, I know, we have two eternal souls in heaven interceding for our family now. And that's our goal of, of our vocation of parenting, to get our kids to heaven, and we got two there. Aren't we lucky? Aren't we blessed? And I said, if those, if those would have worked, then we would not have Thomas, because it was that sperm and that egg that formed Thomas. And we wouldn't have Peter, because it would have been a different combination, and we wouldn't have John. That's how particular it is. All things were created through Jesus Christ by God speaking the word. For in him, in Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. You were created for Jesus Christ. You are his disciple. He chose you and created you for him, for himself. He loves you. It's that particular What had come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. All people, not just the Jews, but all people. All of Abraham's children. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Jesus will tell us in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. The light came into the darkness. Now, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, and this is John the Baptist. And he came for testimony to bear witness to the light that all might believe through him. John is so clear on his mission. He is witness, 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 testimony to Jesus Christ. Although he doesn't know it's Jesus yet. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness to the light. In every painting you see of John, he will be pointing. Pointing to what? Pointing to Jesus. He always points others to Jesus. John bore witness to Jesus and always points us to Jesus. Now, when these two met, Mary, this 13-year-old girl, ran with haste through the hillside of Judea to meet her cousin Elizabeth. And Elizabeth had John in her womb. And Elizabeth said, why is it that the mother of my Lord has come to me? And John leapt in her womb because he was before the Lord. 
And he knew because he was full of the Holy Spirit at the moment of conception, it tells us in scripture. This is another reason why abortion is a non-negotiable. That conception, this fetus is leaping in the womb to be in front of the Lord. And John is about six months older than Jesus. Embryo fetus. And they knew, these two women knew. They looked at each other's eyes and they knew that God had visited his people. How can this be? And Zechariah had a prophecy at the end of Luke 1. And it's after he's unmuted and he can speak again. His name is John. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. And you're going to go before the Lord to prepare his way to give knowledge of salvation to his people. And the forgiveness of their sins through the tender mercy of our God. John knew from a little boy this would be his job. But he didn't know who Messiah was yet. When the day shall dawn upon us from on high to give light to those who sit in the darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And this child, John, grew and became strong in spirit and he was in the wilderness until the day of his manifestation to Israel. There was a man sent from God and his name was John and he came for testimony to bear witness to the light that all might believe through him through his witness, through his testimony. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness to the light. Now the true light, the light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. He was right behind John six months later. He was in the world and the world was made through him. He spoke the word, everything was made through him, but the world did not know him. Not him. Him? Jesus of Nazareth? Mary and Joseph's kid, the carpenter's son? What? He came to his own hometown and his own people received him not. Ah, this isn't Messiah. (laughs) This is Jesus. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become what? Children of God. He gave us our identity back. Jesus gives us the power to know who we are. We're children of God. And it's a power. It's a dynamite because it's the Holy Spirit. He gives us back our deepest identity to know who we are. We're siblings with him, brothers and sisters to him. Who are you? Who are you in this mass of people? For 20 years, I've been asking all five boys when they go to school, remember who you are today? (laughs) Do you know who you are? Yes, mom. I'm a beloved son of God. Don't forget. Okay, mom. Now they're older, and when they're going out on Saturday night to West O to a party, I say, hey, who are you? Who are you? A beloved son of God. Don't forget. Don't forget your deepest, truest identity. You are a beloved son of God, and Jesus gave us power to become children of God. And to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God who were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God, born from above, born a nothing. John chapter 3, we'll learn about that. That was part one of the Gospel of John chapter 1 on Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To learn more about Seeking Truth Bible studies, visit seekingtruth.net. Tune in next time for more Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.